Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by John Shanahan of Strix, engineering discreet men's cosmetic and skincare products for everyday guys to easily, comfortably, and confidently look their best. In this episode, listen as we talk about John's upbringing, the overall founding story to Strix, and their latest appearance on ABC's Shark Tank. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by John Shanahan of Strix. John, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, I'm always happy to take a break from TikTok <laughs> to talk about business. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? Yeah, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, we moved around a little bit, but we really settled there when I was five. And growing up, actually both uh, sides of my family owned small businesses. So my mom's side of the family started by my grandparents were, uh, it was a small business, an ice cream store. And what they didn't, you know, in hindsight, you realize this, but they had an ice cream store, which was busy all summer. And then they had a cake and candy supply shop, which was busy all the holidays. And so they both fed on each other and supported each other. And there were a lot of other shops around Pittsburgh that were either just cake and candy supplies or just ice cream. And they would like shut down for half of the year. Um, So they like, you know, fell into that because my, my grandmother was a professional cake decorator. And then my, on my dad's side, um, he ran, well, my grandfather founded a shipping and logistics company in the eighties, uh, when there was a lot of deregulation. Yeah. And so growing up, it was weird because it was never encouraged for me to run my own company that everybody wanted me to get a job. I think they saw how hard entrepreneurship was and didn't want to like force it upon me. Yeah. Um, but as I started to realize that that was a, a viable option. They didn't stop me either. They're like, all right, that's great. Like you kind of found this on your own. And so that was always really interesting because so much of growing up was just like, they just run their own stuff. It's like, they're the bosses, they have employees. And then, you know, I worked at the ice cream store growing up, which was why I was a little heavy, heavy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna kind of lean into that. Uh, growing up, would you say that you had an entrepreneurial mindset uh, just like your parents did as well, say lemonade stands or selling products? Yeah, definitely had my share of lemonade stands, but even like I would go to the dollar store and I would buy stuff and take it to school and resell it uh, or like, you know, candy. And, and part of that was, I just knew from, you know, when we would, when we were running the ice cream store, I would go with my grandparents to like the restaurant stop store that you can only go if you're a restaurant and then see like, all right, you're buying this and you're going to sell it for this, or, you know, it's repackaged in this way. And so it was never explicitly discussed. It was always just kind of like the background of growing up. Definitely. So I saw you end up going to La Roque, I think it is, university. Um, what did you end up studying there? I actually went to La Roche to do graphic design because I, lo- I fell in love with that when I was in high school. And then when I got to La Roche, uh, it was the only accredited design school around Pittsburgh. And I realized that graphic design was tough. I wasn't good at it. And for me to get like so much better, I was, it was going to take a lot more time and effort uh, than I thought I could put in. So I ended up graduating with an IT and management degree because I switched halfway through as most people tend to do in college uh, (laughs) because I had started working at Apple during college. And I was like, all right, IT technology. I was just as passionate about that as I was about graphic design and they kind of go hand in hand uh, in a way, which is cool. Definitely. What, what did that time period look like for you? Say uh, balancing classes and you said you mentioned working at Apple. What did that, what did your day to day look like with something like that? 
You know, it's similar to now. I just always just fill my calendar. I was, cause I was doing whatever, 18 credits, whatever the maximum was. And then I was working full time. Wow. And so I'd stacked my days where it was Tuesday and Thursday were just my classes. And then every other day was work. And, um, I just, I don't know. I just always do better when I'm just overstacked for some reason. And then I get annoyed <laughs> that I filled my calendar up. Um, but because I'd switched halfway through, it was the only way that I could finish college on time because mm. I had enough stuff that didn't transfer from the first year. And then there was a whole thing there, but, um, yeah, I've always pretty much filled my, my time that way. Got it. Uh, following school and prior to Strix then, did you continue working at Apple? And then also what kind of other jobs did you flow into uh, in this time period? Yeah. So I was at Apple for four years. Uh, it was really like the peak of their ascension because i started in 2010 left in 2014 so it was like i started when the ipad launched mm. and i left when the iphone was on every carrier in the world and it was just crazy to have like a front row seat to that growth um and then through that experience i also started to work in like the small business um because every apple store has like a small business team and they work with companies in the area mm -hmm. and so i got to work with a lot of small businesses that were just getting like their third employee or fourth employee. And there was one company that every week they came in and they were like getting one laptop and then they were getting two laptops every week. And it was like, Oh, this company's really growing. Yeah. Um, and they were a B2B SaaS platform for retailers. So uh, we used to test new products for major retailers like Coles uh, and Gap. And uh, we'd test the products so we could understand pricing and inventory. And then mm -hmm. I, so I jumped to them and that's when I started traveling the world and got to see a lot of cool stuff and really grew in that role. Cause I was there for four years as wow. well. I was there 2014 to 2018. And during that time I built up my YouTube channel and I quit that job to go full-time on YouTube. Wow. And yeah, I, I want to roll into that because I think that has much inspiration to where you are today and your presence online. Uh, what inspired you to really pursue YouTube and such a high uh, caliber channel with especially men's fashion? Yeah, I, I was buying clothes for that job because I had to dress. I was pitching like fortune 500 CEOs. Like I had to, I was a 23 year old kid that had to dress enough to sell, you know, very expensive <laughs> software. And I was buying all these clothes and I couldn't find videos that I wanted to watch, especially at the time, this was 2014. And I was like, you know what? I got a camera. I can try this out, see where it goes. And then just the consistency over a couple of years, you know, grew an audience that I had a, I had a very distinct perspective on what I wanted to bring to that space. And it's, it's still, nobody's copied it. I thought people would copy it left and right. <laughs> um, but that those reps, right. I think I made 500 videos in four years. I mean, I wow. was like cranking out videos uh, on YouTube and that was what built the foundation that allowed me to go solo uh, from there, which was, was really exciting. What was like that main content strategy? What were you doing? Was it like um, fitting yourself or what, what, what did that look like? No, it was mainly that even in 2015, I could see that audiences didn't want spot that like, especially in the women's uh, in the women's content side, there were a lot of reviews that were sponsored by a company. And I was like, all right, no sponsorships on my channel. I was like, I'm going to review stuff. I'm never going to take a sponsorship. I will work on affiliates, which is to me, the better way to be honest about a product. So if you like a product yeah. and you're an affiliate, then you can get behind it. And there's like a, a virtuous cycle. And so my, what I always considered my competitive advantage was that I would have the most trust of any of the YouTube channels because wow. guys knew they could come to me. I would be just giving my own honest opinion. And there was no, um, you know, sponsorships inside of that. 
And so then I started to work in sponsorships later, more on the educational stuff, but never on the reviews. Um, but that my YouTube channel is what ultimately how I found my co-founder Devere, uh, because he was following the channel at the time. And as Strix was being incubated, um, their initial premise is the customers would be these style conscious style related guys, which is true. We have a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but also to build a modern brand, you need somebody that's good at content. So it was like this, uh, it was a two for strategy there. Definitely. I, I would love to hear more about that as we roll into the founding story of Strix. Um, so introducing yourself to the co-founder, who proposed this idea at first? Do you know? I reached out to Devere because I was like, hey, I need some writers for my site. I knew he was writing a blog at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was like, mm, you know, we're working on this other thing. Don't really have time for that. I was like, all right, so let's just stay in touch. Then he and I just started, we would text all the time and just update. And I remember he told me, this, this had to have been like 2018. He was like, we're developing innovative new products that's going to change the grooming industry. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. Get back to me when you have something to show me. <laughs> uh, and then when Strix launched, I was the first YouTube video. I, I think I got it in like December, you know, pre-launch, but they, they went live January 2019. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember reviewing it. It was the first time I had ever uh, considered a makeup product. And I was on camera all the time. So then that first three or four months that I had Strix, I was like, I'm using this a lot more than I ever thought. And then I was like, the more I dug into the space, because I was already looking in like fashion D to C CPG. Mm -hmm. I was like, this, there's like nothing else like this. And then the big like light bulb moment for me was when I, I went to film at the Allen Edmonds factory and I had a sim, I had a videographer, like that was the most professional thing I had done to that point. Mm -hmm. And I used the concealer that morning because I was traveling with my family and I was eating like crap and I had red, I was like red on my face. And I was like, <laughs> all right, this is really cool. Um, and so by that point they had launched and they were going into XRC. And when they started XRC, XRC was like, Devere, like you need somebody to share the load with this. Like you had a lot of work to do. Yeah. And that's when Devere reached out and was like, would you be interested? And I was like, you know what? I've been using this constantly. I really like it. And what we later found out is we both had the experience on our wedding day where we both had breakouts and we had to cover them. And it was like, that was Devere's original light bulb moment. I had that experience and I was like, okay, something will happen about this later. And then it all like came full circle later on. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, France and Son, offering high quality stylus furniture, lighting and decor at a reasonable price. When I'm looking around, especially for a studio setup or for your home, it's so important to have an aesthetic piece that's affordable, but also high quality at the same time. When I was looking around, I saw France and Son and I did not hesitate any further when I saw some of the furniture items they had that can benefit the studio space. So make sure to check out France and Son at franceandson.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. So when you decided to really go full on board with the team, what were some of the main roles between you and the co-founder? Um, were you more on the marketing end or what did that look like? Yeah, I think I found like the, the the job description that we had wrote back then, and it's it's only half of what I do now. And I think this, this is what's interesting for for your audience too is like my idea of a co-founder was I never really I didn't I actually didn't have like a perception of it, but also the fact that you could come in later to a company. Like I yeah. mean, Elon Musk did this. He he wrote you know everybody else out, and he's the founder of Tesla. <laughs> um, but just coming in so early because even back then I was like, Oh, they're really established, but you know, companies have a long, they're a very long life cycle. And so yeah. when I joined, I was like, all right, I'll, 
you know, make a, I'll build a YouTube channel for Strix and I'll do like very content marketing things, but it ended up being uh, a lot more on the side of like fundraising and hiring. And like, that's the job of a co-founder versus, you know, like a marketer necessarily. Definitely. And so my role has definitely evolved um, since I joined just because I had enough sales background experience and I managed teams and I had hired and everything. And so like bringing that to the table, um, I didn't expect, but I've definitely, you know, leaned in in a big way. Definitely. Just to give the audience some scope and size of when you'd actually join the team, what was offered? Do you know how many SKUs and what that was? Yeah. So at the time, uh, this would have, this would have been the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. We only had the concealer and the tinted moisturizer. Um, so we had the three shades of the concealer, three shades of the tinted moisturizer. And then after I joined is when we went from three to 10 products and, you know, finished XRC, raised some money and, um, went into CVS to, like all that stuff really happened, um, afterward, because it's true when you have two, when you, when you go from one person thinking about and working on this all day, every day to two people yeah. and then three, and it's like the force multiplier every time. <laughs> So Strix being really a pioneer in this space, I'm curious, what does the prototyping process and formulating process look like with you? It's really a woman's dominated industry to date. Uh, so what, what does that look like from your POV? Yeah. So that w- the initial stuff, like the concealer, I don't know if um, I, got, I got one over here, but the idea of this like pen style concealer and the custom tooling behind it actually got us rejected by a lot of manufacturers. They were like, why don't you just take the jar concealer that we have right here and like start with that? And we're like, no, we want like this thing. So um, we worked with Prime Studio who did uh, Harry's, Gobi Toothbrush. They do OXO products, Axe. Um, they're a world-renowned industrial design uh, firm. So they did like the initial engineering and then we had to find a manufacturing partner that would then you know, take us on because we were small, but then also were willing to work with the fact that we had this very specific design in mind for the concealer. Um, and so it's a lot, it's, it's finding that right person, right? Like we got rejected by a bunch of factories. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, there's definitely like a throwing spaghetti against the wall in a way and finding out, all right, yeah, you got to find the right person for this. Definitely. Uh, An avenue I really want to roll into and how I actually discovered you was your marketing and your activeness on socials. I'm curious, what were some of the main marketing strategies, especially with new product launches you're joining, um, to really convince consumers in this new space? Yeah, when I started, I was like, all right, I'll build a YouTube channel. I've done it before. I'll do it again. Um, you know, you really have to explain these products and show how they work because there is such a lack of education for guys. And the yeah. fact that we are formulated specifically for men and like there's there's a lot of education to go into there. And I found out very quickly it's harder. It was way harder to grow a YouTube channel in 2019 than what I did in 2015. Mm. And I had lunch with a friend and he was like, you know, this TikTok thing you know, it's a powerful editor and distribution. I was like, all right, let me go try this uh, at home. And my, in the first, you know, video, they say now that when you do your first video, you get an initial boost just to like get you hooked on the platform. Yeah. Um, and the first video had like 300,000 views. And I was like, it wow. would take me, it would take me a year to get 300,000 views on a strict YouTube channel. What's going over on over here on TikTok. And then it was just a lot of experimentation. Like I, I think our first 20,000 followers came in three months. And then it was just like plateau. And it was just like almost, you know, almost a year of just grinding to try and get to the next stage. And Mm -hmm. now I think today we're around 250,000, but it like, it happened, it happened very slowly. You know, it wasn't that hockey stick that that everybody hopes for, but 
the idea with TikTok is very similar to YouTube. It's like mm-hmm. show how it works, talk about the why of you know why we exist, why we have to exist, um, and even just some of the behind the scenes stuff. I did that video where I explained how we pitched to Target. Somebody was like, "How did you get into Target?" And I was like, "Here's exactly how you pitch a retailer." And so yeah. even digging into some of the behind the scenes stuff has been um, you know very well received, which is which is pretty cool. Amazing. From that uh, marketing, can you depict what your main demographic is? Uh, maybe say age-wise. You and me yeah. are the the target. Well, we're the we're the target, but actually our customers span. You know, I think we I think thirty percent of our customers are of age of forty. It's like there's a big chunk of guys that are not just millennial dudes. Yeah. Um, but it's really just like any guy that has some comfort around skincare that wants that next step. It's like you can only you know, moisturize your face so much to, you know, clear up some of the imperfections. If you want that instant fix, this is what it is. And so, you know, we have teenagers that deal with acne. We have millennials that have dark under eye circles because they're on zoom all day. And we got older guys that are aging and they want, you know, these, these instant fixes to aging. And so I think it makes it more challenging. There's other brands that have jumped into this space and like really target Gen Z, but no, but I I, like, to me, you have to cover the whole spectrum because every piece of data shows that guys over the age of 30 and 40, they want like a men's brand like this and there just isn't one today. And so that's our space to fill. Definitely. Uh, mentioning in that TikTok video about your target pitch, I kind of want to roll into the pitching process to retail, especially in a new space like this. What has your POV been like in that process? And have you had to, have you ever had any backlash on any of those pitches? No backlash in the retailer pitches, backlash certainly on social media. <laughs> um, but the the way that we come into it, actually our, our target buyer said this uh, when we spoke to her a couple of weeks ago. She said like, our brand deserves to stand really tall because we're doing something that's so new to the category. And we've, we've had discussion with every major retailer because they're all interested in men. They all want to like bring the male consumer and the male customer in, but they don't, they don't always follow through on it. Yeah. As you can see, like target definitely does. Um, but just saying like, you know, you can only bring in so many more beer brands or razor brands or X, Y, Z brands, but like we're completely additive to the category and we don't want to be in the beauty section because we know our customers are intimidated to go over there. We got to put this in the men's grooming section. And so like that message has definitely been really well received. Um, which is why we were there, you know, in CVS and Nordstrom Nordstrom, um, we're in their New York city shop and we're right alongside, you know, Kiehl's and Jack Black and mm. Clinique. It's like for us to be this young brand with a, a unique new perspective alongside, you know, 40, 50 year old brands is really cool. That's amazing. I want to roll into something that recently happened and it's an announcement I saw on LinkedIn was your shark tank uh, opportunity. I'm curious, uh, what was that experience like for you, especially when you first received uh, the acceptance email, making it on the show? Like, what was going through your head, especially as like a young founder, a young brand at least, going into this? Well, I think as a as a founder and entrepreneur, you have to be a little bit crazy. So the entire time I was like, we're going to get on. It's like, we're definitely going to get on. But I know how many people end up getting dropped off at each uh, you know stage of the process before yeah. you know filming everything. And so I think just going into it with the confidence of like, we have something unique, we have traction, and we are a good deal. Like we're a good fit for the sharks. It's like, all three of those things to me were very um, apparent. And then we just prepared like crazy. So like we had raised money before, so we knew the kind of questions we would get. 
obviously we studied the show. I have a whole spreadsheet where I was like, what were the asks? What were the questions? What were the, what was the final deal? Um, and then we also had like, uh, each shark, we had a particular reason that we wanted to work with them so that if it came up or we could speak to it. Mm. Um, so just like really over preparing for being on the show and then being, I mean, being on camera all day on TikTok, you kind of get used to that. It's like, how do you, how do you answer a question succinctly that could also make good TV that also answers the question. It's like, there's, there's a lot of those reps that came into there too. Um, but the whole process, I mean, it was almost a year long. So it's like both both shark tank and target started in january of 2021 and both of them happened just in the past you know two months which is crazy yeah wow that's amazing uh so i've had some guests on actually prior who's been on the show as well and they describe this spike after their episode airs uh i'm curious if strix have seen a similar outcome as well uh what did the website look like after that airing date yeah it was crazy because the traffic was so concentrated to that 8 p.m eastern showing and i've heard this from a few others as well is like the west coast i guess isn't as into shark tank or the fact that it's later i don't know what it is (laughs) but it was the really big spike right at the premiere but then there was this extra wave that came in and this is a more recent thing this extra wave that came in when it hit hulu right when it hit streaming and hit the streaming services so you had like a really big spike on friday and like you know we did everything to prepare for that but then like Saturday, Sunday, and even into Monday, you just kept getting this like additional wave of people that were clearly finding it, uh, you know, whether it was from my TikTok saying we were on there and then to go seek it out or the fact that people catch up on Hulu and DVR. Uh, and so it's, it seems like it's gone from being like this really intense one day thing to just being like pretty intense, but then spread out over three more days. Got it. Uh, moving into Strix today, what would you say is the top seller if, if you can depict that? You know, for a while, it was our energizing eye tool, mm-hmm. but uh, there I've had one TikTok that just keeps going forever, and it's about our tinted moisturizer. And I think it's because it's a, it is a very visual product. Like in the video I show, I have a pimple on my forehead. I just like rub it off, essentially. It's like, it looks like I erased it. Yeah. Um, but it's also something else that's very new to guys, and like guys are kind of willing to try it. It's $25, so it's not really expensive. Uh, it's kind of impulse. Um, and if we get the benefits from it, then it's, it's huge. And so, yeah, the tinted moisturizer is actually the thing we get the most questions about now. Like why isn't it in target? And it's like, it wasn't our bestseller when we went to target last year, but you know, that's part of what we're, we're trying to get for next year. Interesting. So I'd like to conclude each episode with this. Uh, if you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, uh, what would that be? Uh, you definitely have to surround yourself with people that are, like working towards a similar goal that are a few steps ahead of you. So like my mentorship now, you know, I had it when I was at my previous jobs, I would always search for like, you know, somebody else that could really mentor me. And now I'm looking at, I'm looking for other founders that are like three and four steps ahead of me that are willing to pay it back a little bit. And now it's, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, I've, I've now become that person to a few others where, you know, I'm a few steps ahead of some other people and I'm happy to, you know, to share that as well. But you know, the, they always say, you know, the, um, you're this average of the 10 people you surround yourself with or something like that. It's just like, find your tribe, find the people that want to push you forward and want to grow, you know, alongside of you, because there's nothing more powerful than, than a strong network. Definitely. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Strix at Strix.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.